This is Chris Nessie, founder of the Education Podcast Network. ISTE 2019 is right around the corner, and we're hosting an Education Podcast Network meetup. Come out on Sunday, June 23rd at 6 p.m. at Pat's King of Steaks and meet all your favorite Education Podcast Network podcasters and connect with other listeners. We're going to have an old-fashioned cheesesteak challenge. We're going to eat at Pat's. We're going to eat at Geno's. We're going to have a good time, talk podcasting, and we'd love to see you there. Come out on June 23rd at 6 p.m. if you're going to be in Philly for ISTE 2019. I look forward to seeing you there. Now, back to the podcast. Hey, welcome back. Today, I'm talking with Jerome Wade. He goes by the name Romy. He's an author, international speaker, and an advisor to executive leaders. He's the global authority on executive fatigue, and he's also an adventurer. You're going to hear us talk about some really cool, exciting things he's done in his life. And he's also the author of the book, Unleash, Dominate Your Limitations, Break Through Your Barriers, Live an Extraordinary Life. Today's going to be inspiring for you, and it's going to help you achieve those dreams that you've always wanted to do. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Jerome Wade, CSP, is an author, international speaker, and an advisor to executive leaders. With 25 years of C-suite experience, Jerome is a seasoned authority on executive performance and organizational culture. Jerome is the global authority on executive fatigue, marshalling his more than 25 years of experience to ensure business owners, executives, and leaders at every level get what they want without losing what they love. Giving more than 2,700 presentations, Jerome masterfully engages audiences with actionable insight that drives results. Leveraging the power of story from Jerome's global adventures and experiences, for example, trekking to Everest Base Camp, Machu Picchu, kayaking the Grand Canyon, sailing the Caribbean, and more, audiences are inspired to live and lead at the top of their game. He is the author of the book, Unleash, Dominate Your Limitations, Break Through Your Barriers, Live an Extraordinary Life, which we will be spending a good portion of our time talking about today. Here are some of Jerome, or we're going to call him Romy, Romy's accomplishments, global adventurer, 40 different countries, Ironman triathlete, so cool, spring 2017, trekked to base camp Everest, spring 2018, sailed the British Virgin Islands several times, kayaked the Grand Canyon in the summer of 2011, summited Mount Machu Picchu in the summer of 2012, mountain biker as often as possible, trail runner frequently, scuba diver, global authority on executive fatigue, author, and he's about to have a second book published, which I'm hoping we can talk about that, founded five organizations, businesses, online course creator, and married 28.5 years. I love that uh, 28 and a half there. That's nice. <laughs> the, uh, um, he's a father of two amazing adult children. He's uh, given almost 3,000 presentations, and he's a trusted executive advisor. Romy, thanks for joining me today, and say hi to everyone. Hey guys, this and I am so excited to be a part of this program today because this show is going to be a power-packed opportunity for us to really look at some new strategies to lead bigger, to lead better, and to create a bigger, better life. And so, Steve, thanks for the opportunity to, to just be a part of this with you. I have a great admiration and respect for you and what you're doing. And I'm looking forward to our time together today. Well, awesome. And thank you so much for that. I appreciate it, Romy. And I, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> you know, I... Uh, we met a few months back when I was in a, in a school superintendent training program, and you, know, you were the guest trainer for one of our sessions, and it was so powerful. It made me think, and and it it just your energy was so inspiring. I mean, it just was infective, and I don't know how else to 
how to describe it because I came away with uh, eh, the, the, they they had you in the right spot in the program because you know the energy is kind of draining and you just boom that was that, no problem after that once you start talking so <laughs> perfect the uh, so but before we get into what we're going to talk about today you got to share a little bit about going to base camp at Everest and kayaking the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Well, I, from my earliest childhood, I, back in the days of GI Joe, all right, I was born in 67 and the child of the late sixties and seventies awesome. and GI Joe, GI Joe was everything to me, right? Well, right. back in the GI Joe had all of the little extra accessories and gadgets and that'd be a Jeep and a kayak a hang glider. And so from my earliest formative childhood years, I was influenced by GI Joe. And so I wanted to live that kind of life. And so I never let it stop me from that day until now uh, to just pursue the, the dreams that I have. And uh, this last year, actually one year ago this week, I returned back from base camp. We trekked. It was a 21-day expedition for us, nine days up the mountain, a few days coming down. And then we spent some additional time in, the, uh, in Nepal and the Himalayas. But it was a spectacular, I mean, truly one of those bucket list must-do experiences. And for, there were several reasons I did it. First of all, I, I was 50 at the time. And, you know, the older you get, your body does different things. And so I, I really wanted to see what I was capable of at this new stage of life that I'm in. And uh, I also, though, had a friend of mine who was trekking with me, and he was 75 at the time. Wow. And so I had made my commitment already that I will go back when I'm 75 and take my grandchildren to trek to base camp again with me because it was one of those life-changing moments. Every, every turn, every bend, every step, every stone along the way was just a new view of the Himalayan mountains. And there is no pictures, there's no video that can do it justice and, until you're standing at the feet of Everest. And it is absolutely awe-inspiring. It's breathtaking. And it just causes you to reflect on, on the value of life and be grateful for what we are given. So Everest, Everest was amazing. I highly recommend it for people. Now, I did not go to the top, just to be clear. We just trekked a base camp, which was 17,200 feet. And it was spectacular because when we were there, it was actually the time of the year when there are expedition teams actually going up to the top of Everest. That's only about a two or three week window every year in May that they're able to go to the top uh, by permit. And so we were there. So expedition teams were right at base camp when we were there. Sherpas were there. Everything was in full function. So helicopters coming and going. Uh, it was really, really exp uh, inspiring. And then a number of years ago, I uh, had the privilege of doing another 21-day expedition down the Grand Canyon. And uh, I was it was a private trip. We got a permit and uh, won the lottery that year. Basically, uh, you know, they do the trips down the Grand Canyon privately by lottery, and we won the lottery that year. So cool. it was my son and I and uh, my friend's daughter. So I was I was the lead kayaker. And then we had two 14-year-old kayakers. Now, don't mistake them by their age because they were very accomplished whitewater uh, technical kayakers. Nice. And so then we had three other rafts that kind of carried the supplies down and also a few other people that were with us. But 21 days on the Grand Canyon was absolutely amazing. You're a mile deep and stone walls going all the way up. I mean, we had some exciting moments. We had some uh, very fearful moments. Uh, there was one point we were – this is maybe day three or four. We're coming down the Grand. This is before the big sections of white water are taking place. And uh, we got into a microburst. So from absolute calm and serenity 
to just this vortex of 50 mile an hour winds in wow. almost like a, a tornadic, you know, motion coming down off the ridge. And it was beautiful for a second. It was this mystery for a second because we're looking up and we see this just amazing rainfall come over. And then all of a sudden, within seconds, it hits us. Every single one of us flips. We, we cannot get righted on our kayaks. So we're all swimming. And uh, we, we immediately get to the side of the river. Then the rafts are having to deal with that. But th that was fun. But then ultimately for me was day one of the big rapids. And uh, I, found, uh, I found myself in trouble because I was the safety kayaker, right? The two kids went in front. They had no problems, man. They paddled this river like it was nobody's business. And then here the old guy comes and I get into trouble. And uh, it wasn't until we got all the way through the rapid section that they have these things called whirlpool eddies. And it's basically like a toilet bowl effect on the river, but it'll suck you to the bottom of the river. Oh my gosh. And that's exactly, that's exactly what it did to me. And I, that was, I, I was literally in fear of my life at that moment. I was holding on to the stern of my kayak and it's about eight feet long. I'm, you know, arms stretched out. I'm about eight feet long, but 16 feet stretched out. And uh, my kayak and myself were completely submerged. And had I let go of my kayak that day, I'm completely convinced I would not have been talking to you today. So, but then we got to some amazing, you know, um, experiences through the, the rapids and, and just the, the moments to just decompress were so valuable as well as time with my son to do an amazing adventure. That's so cool. And, and what's amazing to me is that you did uh, base camp Everest after you've, had that experience on the, on the, in the Grand Canyon, right? Oh yeah. So yep. even though fear of death that in that eddy didn't do anything to stop you from going to other places. Right. So I love that. that that's so cool. So oh, not that you had to have the almost near death experience. That's so, yeah. Well, years ago, Steve, I was in high school. I remember watching this movie and I don't even remember what it was, but it was one of those slapstick comedy type movies in high school. And I remember this snowboarder character who was kind of a split personality guy. And he, he made this statement. He said, you have to live, uh, you have to taste death, but live life. And I, for some reason, I don't know why that's ingrained in me. Maybe I'm, a, I've got a few screws loose myself, but, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, Steve, it has given me a very rich, a very rewarding life. And I have so many people just like yourself that are, they would love to engage in these kind of adventures. And for a lot of people, we have to do it vicariously through others. But I, I want to encourage the listeners today, first of all, whatever, whatever adventure you're dreaming of today, you need to go for it, right? You, you need to pursue that. You need to put it into forward motion. Don't let your fears or uncertainties, and, and certainly don't let anybody put thoughts in your brain that you shouldn't or can't do what's in your heart. Because I, I've traveled all over the world. I mean, I, I have been in very serious uh, conditions, um, not just in, um, you know, adventure, outdoor adventure, but even in some of the communities that I've visited around the world. And people are saying, you're crazy. Don't go there. It's dangerous. <laughs> but then I come back with the most amazing stories. And so far to date, Steve, I'm still alive to tell you the story. So who knows what's going to happen ne uh, next. But, but our, our next adventure, we've got a couple of them coming up. But the next big adventure that I'm really looking for, this will be in 2020. Uh, we're going to summit Kilimanjaro oh, and nice, uh, looking nice. forward to that experience. So awesome. well, I'll be back on the podcast next year and give you some stories about how Kilimanjaro was. Oh, we got to follow up because now that's, that would be awesome. That was, oh my yeah. gosh. Well, maybe you should go with me, Steve. Come on, let's do this. There you go. I I got to tell you that that would be interesting. I got, uh, I've not done a, you know, the only mountains I've done are uh, 
you know, <laughs> a lot smaller than than these. Yeah. I don't think Stone well, Mountain compares. <laughs> here's what's interesting about Kilimanjaro. It's just a slow walk up a hill, right? And right. so, I mean, if you look at Everest, uh, trekking base camp Everest, it's the same thing. Cool. Everest is just a little bit more demanding because of the, the grade of the, you know, the trekking. But when you get to Kilimanjaro, it's literally a long walk up a hill. And the last day or two is where it gets a little more extreme. I haven't done it yet, but from friends that were with me on Everest, they said that Kilimanjaro was amazing, but it was easy compared to Everest. So oh, that's cool. Uh, so anyway, it's something we can do. You ought hey, to do it. That sounds so cool. That would be fun. I got. I got to tell you this before I get off this other subject because you were talking about the kayaking. You know, I like. I I'm a beginner kayaker, and I I do Florida waters. So you know, it's we're not talking. Uh, there's there's not there's you got to watch rapids. out right there's no rapids you got to watch out for big boats that don't look out for you until you get into the right until you get into the backwater where I'll, I'll go back in the backwater and try and check out local wildlife and stuff like that and uh and so on instagram i like following these kayakers now you're not one of them that uh is did you go off any cliffs or anything i watched some of these guys. oh yeah <laughs> nice yeah I, I we have done some um they're they're pretty limited i wouldn't say that i'm an extreme kayaker uh i like class three water Class four is okay. I do not like class five water. Class five water is serious, you know, white water. Class three is honestly pretty easy stuff, at least for us. But I like it because there's enough adventure in it. Um, yeah, cool. But I, I just, I like getting outdoors and, um, you know, for, for several reasons. But I, I just want to live my life to its absolute fullest. I want to live an extraordinary life. That's awesome. That is so awesome. I that's you got me going now. I'm thinking about okay, what no, what am I not doing that I might be able to do? And this is this is the type of thinking that uh, Romy gets you going on when you when you attend his training because you start thinking, what is it that's standing in my way that I I just need to push this aside and start doing? And you know, at the training session, you were helping us understand executive fatigue. So before yeah. I I forget, I want to get back. I want to kind of draw us back into where we were talking about because uh, I'm just. You really have me thinking about, hmm, you know, I got, I got more summer left here. What, what else can I do? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> the, uh, um, let's, let's talk about executive fatigue for a minute. Let's, let's go in there and could you talk about what that is and why we as leaders need to recognize it? And I got to tell you, just as an audience, as you're listening to this, just doing just one of those things he's talking about, I think would help you address <laughs> any fatigue yeah. you're dealing with. So create a new type, well, maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, here's what we're dealing with. And, and by the way, just announced this week, the World Health Organization just uh, determined and defined burnout as a syndrome. So this is a global challenge, right? This is a global struggle. And it doesn't matter the industry. It doesn't matter the type of organization, whether it's for profit, not profit or government agency. This is happening around the world. And the reality is executive fatigue is simply the chronic depletion of our core energy caused by the perpetual demands of executive life. And if you're in a leadership position, whether you're in the C-suite or not, you are an executive because you're executing vision, you're executing responsibilities. And over time, what begins to happen is we're wearing out, we're wearing down, and we're wearing thin. And the statistics are staggering. Wall Street Journal reported that 96% of leaders at every level of an organization, 96%, so nobody's insulated from this, are at a place of mild to moderate fatigue and burnout. The, the next stat is the most staggering. 33% of executives are at a place of extreme fatigue. And that's exactly where I found myself about 10 years ago that I, in my drive for success, I drove myself into the ground and getting what I wanted. I, I'm a visionary. I, I'm, a, I'm a man of action. I, I make dreams come true. But 
I paid a price that I didn't have to pay uh, to see my dreams become reality. And, and this is what I have dedicated the rest of my life to because it's happening so many places. People are putting their health at risk. They're putting their own life at risk. They're putting their families at risk, their children at risk, their marriages at risk. They're putting their friendships at risk. They're putting the organization that they're leading at risk. They're putting the people that they lead at risk. And it's just not necessary because there is a bigger, better way to get the results that you want without putting at risk or losing what you love. And so that's kind of the, the, the foundation of what I have designed for the rest of my life is bringing this solution to the world because it is so relevant everywhere I go. It, again, it doesn't matter. When I met you, Steve, I was talking to a group of amazing superintendents right there in, in Georgia and uh, it was so relevant to you. And then the next week I go and I meet with a group of businesses and it's so relevant to them. So it really doesn't matter the sector or industry. It's just how do we continue to live up to the demands that are placed on us in our work environment? And, and the job just requires work. The bottom line, it does. And it, it, but is there a better way to work? Is there a better way to lead? And, and of course, my answer is yes, there is. And, and we, can, we can find that and help you create that yourself. So Very cool. Because that's, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because we do, you know, whatever we try and pursue, whatever, you know, we're focused on, we tend to, uh, you know, if you're really focused on it, you can totally ignore that you're running on empty or that you're, you know, whatever trite phrase you want to say about it. It's, uh, yeah. you start ignoring no, all those signs. That's a great phrase. Yeah, your phrase there, leading on empty, uh, life on empty, it, it's, the reality is, is it happens. And for most people, we're not aware of it until it's too late, right? We just think it's part of the job. We're just right. being responsible or it's just part of life. We got a lot of things. Like, for example, right now, my, I've got a mom who is uh, 83 years of age. She's aging and she's uh, developing some health conditions that we're having to watch her closely. When We've got a lot of things we're having to manage there. Plus, my business is rapidly growing. And so we have to be very careful because in just getting life done, we can wear ourselves out. And what begins to happen, though, is it begins to uh, uh, take life away instead of give life to us. And so that's why we have to be aware of this, because it can derail our life if we're not careful. It can derail our leadership in an organization, our careers and everything else that uh, I mean, we could we could talk about this for a long time. But we have to get to that place where we lead and live with self-awareness, uh, acknowledging the demands, but then also looking at the strategies to fuel energy because we have all of these fatigue uh, inducers or energy infusers. And the fatigue inducers are everything that we often identify, well, it's too much work, time management, my boss expects too much, we have limited resources. That's everything above the surface. But the reality is, and this is, I think, one of the things that impacted the superintendent's group that I spoke to with you was that we were talking about everything below the surface, right? It's easy to identify what's above the surface like an iceberg. We also talk about what's right at the surface. But then when we got to below the surface issues, that's when everybody leaned in because I was, I was asking three critical questions that really start prying deep into the source, the actual problem, the actual um, cause of executive fatigue, when most of us don't even consider that that is what it is. We just see everything above the surface and are trying to fix it, and it doesn't fix that way. You have to deal with the root issue. It's, it's just so on the money. And, you know, one of, part of what you did with the group that day was you, you had us um, – 
during the training identify our fatigue levels. Can you share about, a little bit about that process and why it's important to, to have somebody, because they got to be honest with themselves too. <laughs> they do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, I think it'd probably be beneficial for your listeners right now. If you want to, you can take my fatigue assessment. It's just a quick assessment. Steve and his group of superintendents took it that day, as well as many, every single day, people are taking this fatigue assessment. And if you go to jeromewade.com slash yes, so that's J-E-R-O-M-E-W-A-D-E.com slash yes, Y-E-S, that'll get you to the fatigue assessment. And it's just a quick survey, but I ask five critical questions in that survey to help you just understand what's happening, to help evaluate where you are. And the point really is, is to just know, because for so many people, we think we're fine. You know, we ask people every day, how are you? Well, I'm fine. But the reality is most people are not fine, <laughs> that they just don't know to discuss it. Right. And maybe right. they don't have the relationship to that's, you know, that they can trust to really say, hey, yeah, I'm, I think I'm, I'm wearing out. I think I'm in trouble. But the fatigue assessment gives them just a simple insight. And so what, what's going to happen is when you take that fatigue assessment at jeromeway.com slash yes, you're going to either end up in the red zone, which is the danger zone. So that's depletion of energy. That's where you are driving hard, but you're driving yourself into the ground. And here's what's interesting. Most people that find themselves in the red zone are not surprised by it. They know they're in trouble. The, the, the red lights are going off, danger, danger. Now, others of you, as you take the survey, are going to find yourself in the yellow zone. And the yellow is just the land in between. It's not the green zone or the go zone. It's not the red zone or the danger zone. It's just that land between. But it's the dangerous place, most dangerous place, because if we're not aware, we can easily fall into the red zone. But there's opportunity to just with some simple changes to move into the green zone. And so some of you will take the survey and you'll find yourself in the green zone. And the green zone is the go zone. You're energized. You've got things in place. You're doing what needs to be done to, in, to infuse yourself with energy instead of induce yourself with fatigue. And uh, it's a great place to be. And here's what's exciting. If you're in the green zone today, you can perpetuate that level of energy. Even though you find yourself working hard and you might be tired at the end of the day, that's not fatigue. That's just a hard day at work. Fatigue is a inner issue. It's an inner reality that has to be addressed. And as you take the fatigue assessment, what you'll find is some insights immediately because I'll, I'll immediately send you your results and then I'll send you some digital coaching tools. Uh, that, and this is at no charge. This is absolutely free of charge so that you can find that bigger, better way to get the results that you want in your life. That's awesome. And I, and I took that, <laughs> that uh, survey and uh, yeah, it's a little scary when you start looking at it going, oh yeah, yeah, okay. And if you're answering those questions honestly, you know, so you really get a good feel for it. And I'll yeah. make sure that uh, that link is in my show notes. So uh, those okay, listening, cool. you know, it'll be there in the show notes. So uh, jeromewade.com slash yes, right? Awesome, perfect. The, so let's shift now into your book, Unleashed. Yeah. Unleashed. Dominate your limitations, break through your barriers, live an extraordinary life. The, uh, yeah. I loved it. Easy to read, and it has great reflection questions. And by the way, once I started reading, I had to keep reading. And I'm not a fast reader. And I got to tell you something. I, I couldn't put it down. And, and I did finish it sooner than, you know, I, I think my family would be going, you finished it when? <laughs> you know, yeah. I was awesome, man. <laughs> the, uh, they're proud of me. The, uh, you know, um, talk a little bit about where the idea of Unleashed came from. 
Yeah. Well, I, I really, Steve, it came from my own journey. I, I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've launched many organizations. I mean, even since you and I have talked, we've launched another business. And so, I, you know, I love the entrepreneurial startup. I'm a startup guy. So I love that world. Um, it's fun. It's exhilarating to me. Um, but here's what I've identified as well in many of my clients. And then I've been doing executive leadership development for the last 30 years. And so in other business leaders and organizational leaders, what happens is in our pursuit of whether it's organizational effectiveness, uh, growth, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, sales and profit or it's, you know, uh, impact of our organization, everybody runs into these invisible force fields. We run into these uh, barriers that we cannot identify and we can't, we, so we keep trying those. So we push and we press to, to break through, but it just seems to hold us back and we're frustrated. And then what happens if that prolongs itself, we get to a place of hopelessness. We get to a place of despair. And then a lot of negative energy is, is committed to our mindset when, and, and it's, and it has very devastating effects so I wrote the book Unleash to help us identify what it is that's tethering us, what's holding us back, what's the leash that's limiting us. Because I believe every single one of us have those. There's no question. I don't care how successful you are. I don't care how big your organization is or how small it is. You will have to overcome the resistance and the barriers and the limitations that will be there. And for me, I just shared very candidly throughout the book my own experiences as well as the experiences of others and what their frustrations were, what their limitations were, identified the key limitations that I, that I, have, I, that I see in many, many people and uh, just speak to that, you know, because I, I do know that ultimately we want, the, we want the best life possible. And if we can identify some of the most limiting factors and overcome them, then we will live an unleashed life that will see the success and the impact we want. That's so cool. And it, is, it comes through loud and clear. Let me tell you something. Kudos there because that, all that passion comes through loud and clear about being unleashed. And in, in the opening chapter of Unleashed, you say, limitations are drawn like magnets to those who are choosing to do something great with their life and professional pursuits. They have always been there and will always be present. But that doesn't mean that we have to submit and surrender our dreams to them. Could you talk about yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so that invisible force field that is present for everybody, that it's sometimes it's very hard to identify. It's very hard to put some uh, words to understand what it is. But one, at one point in one of the organizations that I was leading, we had a several year run of great success. I mean, it just, the, the numbers kept going to the top and to the right. And it was fun. It was exhilarating. We were rapidly growing. We got the attention of the community. And uh, it, it was like heaven on earth. But then we ran into the barriers. After we had significant growth phase, all of a sudden, it's like something just slapped us in the face, but we couldn't understand what it was. And so that taking the time to think through, to move ego out of the way, and to just kind of be very honest, be very humble, and have some heart, we were able to identify that so then we could move the organization forward. And it's, sometimes it felt like two steps forward, one step back, sometimes two steps fo forward, three steps back. Uh, but that's just part of the process of overcoming the resistance and the challenges that each one of us have. And, you know, one of them that was most significant for me, and I write about this in the book Unleashed, which, by the way, is available on Amazon in print or in Kindle, um, it was the when I was growing up, my dad would take me to the backyard in the summer months. 
Now, back in that day, Albuquerque was much smaller of a city than it is now. So we didn't have a lot of the light pollution that we have today. We still have beautiful, you know, night skies and stars and satellites. But back in the day, it was so vibrant and crystal clear. And my dad and I would sit under a cottonwood tree on this amazing swing. And we just have father-son conversations and we would dream. Well, I didn't know, and I'm not for sure my dad did this intentionally. I think he was just spending quality time with his son. But he would ask me questions about, hey, son, what if we win Ed McMahon's million-dollar sweepstakes, right? That's the equivalent of our lottery today, right? So <laughs> right, this right. is 1970s. Ed McMahon, million-dollar sweepstakes. And we would just dream, and we would talk about this almost every night that we were out there. Well, that voice of my father influenced my life. And, and I honestly believe, Steve, the reason why I pursue stuff like Everest, because my dad put a dream in me. The, the reason why I, I do, I'll do Kilimanjaro and I'll have other uh, experiences and adventures ahead of me. And, and one of my big adventures is I want to sail the world one of these days. Uh, but that's because my dad was a voice that influenced me to be a dreamer. Now, that dreamer is this guy who has an uncanny ability to solve problems for organizations. I have an uncanny ability to help executives identify next steps that they need to take through, you know, executive advising. And so it, that was all a gift of my father's voice. But for so many people, they're running into the barrier of the voice because it was a voice that was negative to them. It was a voice that was destructive to them. It was a voice that deflated them. It was a voice that demeaned them. Sometimes by good intending people, you know, some people don't mean to cause harm. They're just, hey, I just want to be honest. I, I don't know if this is going to work for you. Well, when somebody tells you that, you start believing, well, it's not going to work because Sally said or Fred said or mom said, or when you hear tones of shame and blame growing up, that becomes a limiter for so many people. And so I talk about that in the book that you have to listen to the right voices because here's what's going to happen in your life. You're going to have those that are doubters and dowsers, right? There are going to be plenty of people that doubt you, that doubt your dream, that doubt your ability, that doubt whether it's going to work. And then there's going to be those that are, and, and, and I think most of the time doubters are goodwilled people. Then you get to the dowsers and I differentiate dowsers. Dowsers are not good people. Dowsers intentionally want to derail you and they're throwing water on your flame. They're doing everything they can to make sure you don't succeed in life. And you would think nobody would ever do that, but our world is filled with people who are dousing dreams every day. And so when you have the wrong voice that you're listening to, there's no way you'll ever have the ability to break through those barriers. You'll, you'll never see the other side of the problem because you continue to listen to the wrong voice. And so the key strategy here is that you listen to the right voice. And the right voice is going to affirm your ability. It's going to affirm your self-worth. It's going to affirm your capabilities or your capacity. It's going to affirm the dream that's inside of you. It, it doesn't mean that all of the fears and anxieties are gone. It just simply means you're listening to the right voice. And when fear pokes its ugly head up, you just don't let fear stop you from pursuing the dreams that you need to pursue. That's awesome. And it, you know, this is, for those of you listening, it's just, it's this is, I don't, I don't know about you, but the more I listen and the more I read, you know, it just, it really helps me identify what it is that's, you know, that I'm listening to that I shouldn't be or the things that I'm avoiding that because, you know, whatever that because is, and it just helps me yeah. uh, get that inspiration back. And, and by the way, I gotta, I gotta say this real quick before we leave this area, because two things have happened here. We got, uh, uh, 
you talked about uh, Albuquerque in the sky. I, I went in the 80s. I went uh, to school in Roswell, New Mexico, and um, I was Perfect. there for a couple of years. And I had to I would have to go to Albuquerque quite a bit. And I'll never forget the the amazing. I, and I did a lot of work in the Sandia Mountain Range there out there. And wow, cool. Um, and one of the things that was really exciting was at wintertime driving up into the mountains and then coming down and seeing Albuquerque from that top area. Um, I yeah. forget that interstate or highway, whatever it was, yeah. but the, uh, you'd come up into the mountains and then suddenly you'd come around and there would be this cool, just image of the sparkly lights of the town just there at dusk of Albuquerque. And it's just beautiful. Those of you who've never been there, it's a cool city and it's a cool view from all around. So, but neat. Yeah, it is. It is very beautiful. That's really cool, Steve. I, I, I'm not for sure. I remember you telling me that you uh, went to school in Roswell. I think because I realized did. I was talking too much to you. <laughs> I, I realized I need to back <laughs> off and stuff. But yeah, I went, I went to school in Roswell and uh and I was there at the uh there's a military academy there so I became a second lieutenant in the army it's New Mexico military you were at Emmy. right yes 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 yeah very cool and uh so I, I went there and uh and uh we did uh I was attached to a reserve unit in Albuquerque so we'd go up there to do the reserve duty and uh nothing like so the the stuff in the Sandia Mountains was all military stuff and freeze <laughs> all kinds of stuff New Mexico's an a beautiful state, but it's got some interesting. You end up in the freezing weather. You can end up with cactus that you don't see. Yeah, the yeah, the little prickles go straight through that leather boot. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. Well, just just uh, just a week and a half ago, Steve, we had a la a late, very late snowstorm, and 500. We live right at about 6,000 feet where we live, in, right on the foothills of the mountains here. Nice. Five, six hundred feet above us, there was the snow line. Oh wow! Right. It's absolutely crazy. It's just absolutely crazy, but it's a beautiful place. It is. So. It's I, I, it's just amazing there. So I I can't wait to go back. Miss it all the time. I've been there a couple times since I graduated and uh, and left there. This is, <laughs> but just love it. Yeah. You know, there, well, there's nothing like watching. Next the, time you next time you come out this way, you can stay with me. I appreciate that. I'll give you a holler. The uh, um, yeah. So I'll get myself back on track. This is one of the things I do to myself. <laughs> but I just had to say that when you're talking about Albuquerque. So the uh, you know. One of the things, and the other thing that you did while you're talking was you actually went into something I wanted to mention, which is one of my favorite chapters out of your book is titled "The Voices." And in this, yeah. and in this chapter, you you say this: I had allowed the wrong voices to take deep root in my brain and soul. And you've you've already kind of hit on this, but I just I had to make sure I said that because that statement right there, I think so many times um, we we just let those permeate, we just let them sit there. And that's what we keep hearing instead of support and somebody saying, you can do this. Instead, we're hearing, are you sure you want to do this? Or is you're not going to be able to do this or you can't or whatever. Yeah, well, it, it is so important to find the right places because there is so many negative influences and negative forces that exist in our world that um, our dreams will never become reality. If, if we if we allow the wrong voices to influence us. And there was a season of my leadership, and it was, in fact, when uh, 10 years ago when I was at the end of my rope because of my fatigue levels drove myself into the ground, I, I was leading from fog, which was you know heavily influencing fear. And, and I had the wrong advisors, if you will. I would listen to the wrong voices because voices are advisors and they're advising you. And if you want the right advisors, the people that – you know, speak into you, give you hope, give you uh, confidence, uh, the courage to take those next steps. It, it's all about the the voice uh, internally. 
But here's what's so important, Steve. The most important voice is the voice you speak over your life. So whether you had a father or a mother who, like my dad spoke over me, he helped me believe in what could be. And I've lived an amazing, enchanted life for 51 years now because of him. Um, but some of you didn't have that. But whether you have that or not is irrelevant. You, you do need to identify what their negative influences could have been. But more importantly, it's the voice you speak over your own life. And, and this, Steve, just gets into some very practical day-to-day -day tactics that you should be starting your day with some type of affirmations, with some type of gratitude, meditation. Because if you can begin to change your mindset, because your mind is programmed, it's a computer. As you program it, it's going to produce. And so you've got to program your mind to think the positive thoughts, the encouraging thoughts, the potential thoughts that will create the future that you want. And so many people are limited by their mindset and they don't realize it was because of a voice or an advisor that they've been listening to. So you have to become your own voice and your own advisor. And I have found these times to be very defining for me whenever I speak over my life. One, one of the things that's very important is to start your day. And I call this just the starting line, uh, the starting line discipline, where as soon as my eyes open in the morning, I'm still laying in bed, but I try to have my immediate and intentional thought to start my day. I start my day with positive energy, right? I start my day being very grateful. Today is going to be an amazing day. I can't wait to be on Steve's podcast today because there's going to be so many people that listen that need what we're talking about and their life will be influenced. So do you see what I'm doing right there? Oh, Voices. Yes. I'm self-advising. I am self-affirming. Uh, I, am, I am already creating the day of expectation instead of waking up, doing nothing, going and looking at the email and you get a notice from a friend or the boss or you get a notice from a client or you get a notice from work and something fell apart and you've got to go put out another fire and there's drama over here and there's problems over there. Instead of letting the day be defined by the wrong voices or the wrong advisors, you, you intentionally decide, regardless of what happens today, this is going to be a freaking amazing day today. And so that's how you create energy. That's an energy infuser that fights fatigue inducers, right? So creating your own voice every day, because it doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. All that matters is what you believe about you. It's, it's awesome when other people believe you, right? Believe right. in you. But, but, it, but it's still, that's just the bonus, the, what the foundation of true success is what do you believe about yourself? And for so many people, they were run into the ground by their dad. You're fat. You're ugly. You're incompetent. You'll never amount to anything. You worthless. And, and we hear that all of our life. You can't read. You can't spell. I, I wasn't good at, good at math, Steve. But then here's what's amazing. It was because of a mindset thing. Then I own a construction company a number of years ago. And construction is all about math. <laughs> yeah. And, and I found out that I had a natural gift at math, but because my teachers, when I was in school, I wasn't good at the way they were teaching it. But then you put me in the field and it was like a natural gift for me. But then all of a sudden I recognized it and I had to start telling me, I said, Jerome, you're really good at running numbers, right? You're really good at figuring this stuff out to where there'd be times on a, on a, on a job or a project. I mean, I just knew instinctively what needed to be done and um, I, I would still sit there going, where did that come from? Well, younger years, I was programmed to believe that I wasn't good at math. But then whenever I got into my adult years, I found out that I was. 
and so that's that's the power of a voice. You have to self-advise. You have to you, you your self-talk is the most important aspect of success because it really creates the thoughts that creates emotion that creates behaviors that creates results. That's that's so powerful. I mean, it's just just listening to you right now. I'm you know, it's you're having me think about the things that I need to <laughs> I got got to shove to the back, push them out and whatever and I, I just love this. So it, Let's let's look at something else you talk about for just a second. Because one of the things you talk about yeah. is you talk about something called choke points. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about what that is? Yeah, absolutely. Let, let's go way back to 1297. Let's go back to September 11th. September 11th was a big day for the U.S., right? Yes. Uh, 2000, what was that? 2001. Uh, and so big day for us. We remember September 11th. Well, there was another profound day, September 11th, 1297. William Wallace is leading the, uh, the the Scots to freedom, right? He is he is now battling against England's tyranny over the Scots, and and so he is fighting everything. And if you've seen the movie Braveheart, you you would have seen this exact scene that I'm going to tell you about. The problem is Hollywood couldn't recreate the scene at its original location, but the setting was much different than just two armies on two sides of a field. Here, it was actually two armies on each side of a river, and the river. Uh, was called the River Forth, and it had a very small bridge that went across from from one side, the south side, to the north side where the Scots were. Now, here's what you need to understand about this. 1297, there was only about a 1,000 Scots. Wallace was leading a ragtag group, ragamuffin men who uh, were, were ag- agrarians. They were not um, you know, skilled warriors. They knew how to hunt, but they didn't know how to battle. And so they're, they're ragtag, untrained, 1,000 of them on the north side of the bridge, and then 10,000 English on the south side of the bridge. Well, here's the brilliance of William Wallace and his leadership. He leveraged the limitation of the bridge to defeat the English that day. So what he understood was a choke point can either be your advantage or your disadvantage, but for most of us, it becomes our disadvantage. It becomes our limiter. What William Wallace did is he baited the English to cross the bridge. How do you get 10,000 people across a very narrow bridge, right? So he didn't have to get 10,000. He knew he just had to get a few thousand. So he keeps his army at bay on the north side of the river. The English start coming over this, 1,000. And William Wallace is telling his people to hold. Now, if you've seen the movie Braveheart and Wallace is up there, hold, hold, right? He's holding the Scots back. Don't go yet. Let them keep coming. It feels like it's going to threaten you. But Wallace knew they were going to be trapped by the choke point. So 1,000 come by, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 have crossed the bridge. And I can tell you that there had to be some nervousness because now the odds are way stacked against the Scots. But what, what they knew and the English ignored was that they had them cornered. The Scots had the English cornered. 5,000 men crossed the bridge is when William Wallace unleashes the command to attack and 1,000 men pressed 5,000 men and won the, the battle that day because there was nowhere for the English to escape. They were bound by a choke point and that choke point was a very narrow bridge. It took some time to get 5,000 men across. Now they had nothing. They couldn't run. They couldn't back away. And Wallace had them in a corner, backed in a corner at this choke point. So there's men uh, falling into the river and drowning. They're jumping off of the bridge. They're trying to find their way out. But Wallace, with his wisdom, leveraged the choke point. But for so many of us, we're the English in that story. 
right, right. We've put ourselves, we've backed ourselves into a corner. We've backed, backed ourselves into a limiting factor. And that choke point has actually limited our ability. And so again, this is one of those things you want to look at organizationally or personally. What are the choke points that I have created in my life? Is it my daily discipline? Is it my, my beliefs like we've talked about already? Is it, um, is it certain disciplines that I need to refine and develop that I, are maybe they're not so much natural gifts, but there's something that I could become really good at? So we have to identify those choke, choke points because those choke points are literally choking the life out of us. They've got us by the throat, man, and we are gasping for air and it feels like we're hopeless. But here's the good news. With some very wise leadership, you can reverse the choke point, use it to your advantage, and see the breakthrough that you want. Awesome. Uh, this is just powerful. Now, that's, and you touched my history heart there with, the, with retelling <laughs> that story, too. That's, that's too cool. So uh, thank you for sharing about choke points because I know we, we have those in our lives. And if we're not, you know, you don't want to be trapped and stuck <laughs> yeah, yeah. think about it this way though what caused the english to lose it? They, it, the odds were 10 to 1 at least 10 to 1 They're very good, the, english, the english should have dominated the scots that day hands down no questions asked they should have given them a spanking and the scots should have been running with their tails tucked but they didn't the english were arrogant and this is why so many leaders aren't seeing the growth they want in their organization is because they allow themselves to go on a pride ride and an ego trip. And so the arrogance is what keeps us from the success we want. And I've been there and I've done that. And gosh, looking back, I'm like, dang it, you should have known better. And we do know better, but we don't know what we don't know at the time we need to know it. And so it's one of those things that with humility and honesty and heart, we can overcome those choke points. That's so incredibly powerful. I, you know, it, it, by the way, at the end of each chapter, you have awesome focus or reflection questions like what failures have I allowed to define my life and what creates anxiety for you? Why would you include these sections? Well, I, I've read numerous books in my life. I, I'm an avid reader. I like to be influenced by other people's thoughts, um, ideas. I'm always looking for solutions. And but many, many times I would find myself reading a book. And it didn't cause me to, or it didn't intentionally give me direction on, on reflection. How, how do I think through what they're, what they're saying? And so as I started, you know, developing the book, I thought, man, I really need to turn this, not really into a workbook, but I need to turn this into opportunities to really take it deep. And when we talk about the voices, well, let's ask a few questions on the voices. What voices have influenced you positively? What voices have influenced you negatively? What voices might you need to reject and change? What voices do you need to intentionally bring to your life? So if I don't ask those questions, you're going to read the chapter and go, huh, that's pretty cool. And then you're moving on. Right. <laughs> right. So I want those, I want each chapter to be and my next book. When it's out, it'll be out at the end of this year. It's the book is simply titled, get what you want without losing what you love. Um, and it's going to have the same format that this one has. And I've heard from so many, Steve, that the, it's the questions at the end of the chapter that just contextualize it, you know, and here's what I would rather, I would rather, because these chapters are easy to read. They're, they're short. They're probably going to take you 10 to 15 minutes to read the whole chapter, but then take five or 10 minutes to reflect and don't just read through the book. 
let it transform your life. That's I'm not just here to inspire and motivate. I'm here to transform people's lives. And that's why those questions are there is because they're transformational purpose. And they, they do that because they're just like the sample ones that I gave. I mean, you have to decide whether you're going to be honest with yourself or not. And if you are, then yeah. it's going to make you reflect on what you've been talking about in that chapter and actually, you know, hopefully stir in you that uh, want to change whatever is holding you back. So uh, that's good stuff. And um, by the way, you know, you, that that second book you got coming now we gotta when you get that out we gotta you gotta let me know so we can come back and uh um, talk about it because i had that that would be an awesome uh follow-up there too we got uh so if a listener were to read unleashed what would be something that you would want to make sure that they reread and make sure they understood how about the whole chapter i mean the whole, whole book, <laughs> the whole book. Can, I, can i just that works. say that that works that works I, I don't, I think it's all amazing. Steve, what I want to do is I, I would want them to read the Epic Log. And by the way, the, the name of my company is Epic Global. And instead of an epilogue, right, I created the Epic Log at the very end. Nice. <laughs> and I, I would like for them to read that because at the end of this, I share, you know, just um, just some key insights on what it, what it really, what do you need to do now? that you've been influenced by somebody's life, somebody's solution, somebody's pain. Um, what do you need to do now? And I, I would like for them to see that their dreams can become reality, that they can create um, the, the life that they've, they've dreamed and that they can overcome the dragon of resistance. Stephen Pressfeld uh, kind of coined that phrase. They can, they can slay the dragon of resistance, that they can break through those barrier, barriers, they can overcome those limitations, and that they can truly create an extraordinary life. And uh, that would be really my, my, my hope for them is to just say, listen, I, I see it, I'm going for it, and I want it to happen in my life. Awesome. Thank you so much. So, so before we close, I've got to get you to talk about the Epic Advantage, your business, like you said. Yeah. So just tell them a little bit about what, what it's all about and what they can find when they go to your website and learn. Yeah. Well, you can find out everything you need to know about me and my, my organization and the work that I do at JeromeWay.com. But years ago, I was snowboarding in Colorado Rockies. It just had four feet of snowfall. It was truly amazing. I was there with a friend of mine. We got to this ridge in Wolf Creek, Colorado, which is the best snow in Colorado. It's an amazing ski resort. Four feet of snow is out there, right? So this is nothing but powder. And as a snowboarder, powder is like paradise. And we're standing at this edge, about to drop down this uh, black diamond run. And uh, this one surfer kind of skater, snowboarder dude comes up and he's like, dude, this is epic. And from that day on, I was like, that's exactly what I need to call the next organization that I launch. And it was all about helping people create an epic life. And so Epic Global or the Epic Advantage, it's all about uh, finding extraordinary ways to help executives and leaders find uh, the results that they want. And so that looks like several things. I, I do provide executive coaching, executive advising. Uh, and so that can be individually or actually organizationally. So some organizations bring me in just for the top levels of the organization. Some of them bring me in for every level of leader. Uh, that also looks uh, like workforce training and development. So bringing either my ultimate edge formula, which is the program you saw, or my unstoppable program, which is related to the book here, or uh, developing an executive team, uh, or speaking for conferences and events. I mean, so it's really all focused on how do we get, how do we create extraordinary lives, extraordinary leaders, 
extraordinary organizations. And But my true passion really is on delivering solutions on executive fatigue because I was there the darkest day of my life has now become my brightest light. And that is why Epic exists today is because of my darkest day. I was like, nobody else can go through this because I didn't have a guide. I, I didn't have an advisor. I, I, I had to find my way in the dark and I don't want anybody to do that. I want them to find a faster way out of their fog so that they can create the life that they've dreamed. So powerful. And uh, that's just incredible. And I greatly appreciate what you do because that work is, is needed and uh, much needed. And especially that getting when people get stuck in that place where they don't know anyone where to turn to, you know, the, the superintendent level, they typically have, it's just them <laughs> and there's, yeah, there's right. other people around them, but there's, you know, it's not to help them get out of that fog or that dark and, and, and lots of other positions, I'm sure the same. So, um, well, and Steve, here's the deal. I mean, there, it, it doesn't matter where you're at, but the, especially for those that are at the top of organizational leadership, they don't have anybody they can confide in. It's lonely and it's lonely partly because of position, because you can't be completely vulnerable and transparent without it bringing question to your abilities, uh, without it bringing question to your fitness of a leader. Um, and so who do you go to? And that's, that's why I exist is to help executives process decisions, process uh, opportunities, help them look at new strategies for life, help them, you know, create the, the life that they want with their marriage, their partner, their spouse, um, help them become the parent that they want to become with their kids. And, and uh, it's, it's important to have somebody that helps guide you to your heroic life. Awesome. It, before we go, if someone wanted to connect further with you, where would you send them? Uh, my website, drumway.com. And uh, just give me a shout on my website. You'll see my phone number. And that is, by the way, it rings on my desk. Uh, that doesn't go through a gatekeeper. It comes directly to me as nice. well as the email on there is uh, you can email me directly at Jerome at JeromeWade.com. And uh, make sure if you do reach out to me that you let me know that you heard about me or you heard my story on Steve's podcast here. And uh, I'd love to just be able to send him a little note and say, Steve, great impact on your audience here. So, but uh, yeah, any it, through the website uh, is best. I, of course, on any social platform, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Instagram, it's all at Jerome Wade. So I, I kind of own the real estate in that, in that, uh, in that world. So excellent. And I'll put all those links in my show notes. And uh, by the way, thank you for having them. If you, you heard him, if you uh, do send him an email, make sure you tell him that you heard him talking on, uh, on my show here. So that'd be awesome. Absolutely. Um, you know, as we're, uh, Closing up here, do you want to say one more time what that second book's title is, what's coming out, when it's coming out? Yeah, the second book is Get What You Want Without Losing What You Love. And in that book, I will detail uh, three power-packed questions that will change the game for you so that you can drive for success without putting at risk what matters most. Awesome, awesome. So last two questions, which are just things I like to ask. So here we go. Number one, if you had the chance to talk with a group of school system and school building leaders, what is one piece of advice you would want to give them about working with kids or parents? Yeah, Steve, that is a very deep, deep question. <laughs> we might need more time for this. One. No, I, I, I think it, what's important about leading people is that you don't know where they are. Instead of, instead of assuming, try to put yourself in their shoes because I, I've seen so many people lead people ineffectively uh, or manage people ineffectively because they are, they're leading outside of a person. 
And what, I, what I'm saying is realize that you're leading people. And these people may be at that place of fatigue where they're in a fog and they're fearful and they're hopeless. They feel hopeless anyway. And they, they're uncertain about tomorrow. And if you're leading children, their, their complexities could be that their lives are influenced by a mom or a dad who's at that place of fatigue. Um, so lead with compassion, lead though with courage, um, but realize you're leading people. So I, th- I think that's a, that's a, just a key insight that I'd like to give because there, there's just too many, too many times in organizational leadership we forget that we're people, every single one of us. We're flawed people that just need some leader to be compassionate but also courageous in how they interact with us. So I, I think that would be some two cents that I'd like to leave there. Excellent advice. Excellent. So last question, do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, yes. If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? I I've had many Steve throughout the years. And I, 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 I'm reflecting back at Hawthorne elementary school is just a couple of miles down the road from where I live today. So I I'm back in the area where I kind of grew up. Oh, cool. And, um, I, I remember Mrs. Seitz, Mrs. Malone, uh, two, two teachers that Mrs. Malone was very early in my, my elementary education. Mrs. Seitz was at the later stage of my elementary education, but I just vividly, I can still picture them at the, the chalkboard today, but there, it, it wasn't so much what they taught. It was how they taught. And I, I look at them, then I can go into my junior high years and, and I could, uh, my, my shop teacher was named Mr. Harbaugh. And Mr. Harbaugh saw something in me and he started putting me in positions of leadership. I had no idea. I could go into my high school years. Uh, Mr. Minor was my shop teacher in high school in Amarillo, Texas. And Mr. Minor saw something in me and he's, he saw that I wanted to help people. And this is, I'm, what am I, 15, 16 years of age at the time that I would put my projects aside and make sure that their projects got done and help them cut the wood or stain or sand or whatever we needed to do. I could go into my college years and talk about, you know, uh, professors that saw something in me. And again, it's not so much what they taught, it's how they taught. And uh, I think that is, that's the transformative work that I'm trying to bring to the world as well is the influence of, of the ages. Cause I am who I am today because of everybody who's been a voice or a teacher to me throughout the years. And I, I'm grateful. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And Romy, thank you so much for talking with me today. You're an inspiring speaker and your book Unleashed is an excellent tool for helping readers overcome, you know, just overcome what's keeping them from being able to, to achieve whatever their dreams are. And, and I got to tell you, I encourage listeners to pick up a book of Unleashed. It's, I can't wait for the, your second book to come out. And uh, it's been great talking with you. And I just uh, thank So thank you. I can't thank you enough for the for what you're doing, because even just that day and then the, and some coaching that I was able to have with you was just, uh, it, it really helped me just kind of identify where that fatigue was in my world too. And that's just an amazing, uh, service that you're, you're providing there. Um, thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. I've enjoyed it. You're a great friend and I look forward to our future. Hey, have you got some thoughts, questions, or ideas? I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me through my email at stephenmiletto at gmail.com. Stephen spelled with a V and Mileto is M-I-L-E-T-T-O. And that's at gmail.com. Or if you're in the United States or Canada, you can call my Google voice number at 478-353-5471. Love to hear from you. Thanks. Take care now. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators.
expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends. Thank you.